Would you stand and listen for the gospel of the Lord this morning from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the Word of God for the people of God. So we've been working on this sermon series I entitled Images of Jesus. We've looked at all these different stories, mostly from the Gospel of John, where Jesus represents himself or is teaching about what God is doing through him in different ways. In all of those stories, the disciples are represented as confused and perplexed and bewildered. They struggle to understand who Jesus is and what he's doing and what he's teaching them about who God is and what God is doing in him. In the beginning part of this 20th chapter from which we read this morning starts on a resurrection morning. It tells us that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb expecting to find a dead body. But when she got there, the stone was rolled away and the body is gone. She runs back to tell Peter, leader of the disciple band, that something is wrong. Peter and another disciple head out to the tomb. It says they run all the way to the tomb. And when they get there, sure enough, just like Mary had said, the stone is rolled away, the door is open, and when they bend down to look in, there's no body. They go back home bewildered not sure what has happened mary stays in the garden while she's there she encounters jesus as the risen lord she doesn't recognize him at first but then he speaks and she recognizes him and responds and he says okay go back and tell the disciples that i have been raised from the dead so she dashes back again to the place where all the disciples are gathered and tells them, proclaims, if you will, I have seen the Lord. And that's where we begin to read this morning. Now it's evening of the first day of resurrection. And John says, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. The doors are locked. The disciples are scared. They're not sure what's going to happen next. They're the closest associates to Jesus. He's been arrested. He's been tortured. He's been tried. He's been crucified. They thought he was coming in victory. They had celebrated just the week before the triumph 
of Jesus coming to finally make everything right, to throw off the foreign oppressors, to straighten out the Jewish authorities that they believed to be corrupt. But it all took a dark turn. Now Jesus is dead as far as they know. The body's gone. That's even more perplexing. And yet then Mary has said, but he is alive. They are probably reeling with some kind of shock. The crucifixion itself would be trauma enough to watch for any of us to lose someone with whom we had lived and traveled for three years and now to come to such a desperate end in the very midst of their fear. Jesus comes. Here they are, huddled in a room, full of fear, anxiety, probably even a sense of panic roiling through the midst as they discuss with one another, what are they to do? What is going on? When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. What a powerful lesson for all of us to remember that when we are gripped by fear, when we're full of anxiety, when we are experiencing a sense of panic and we do not know what to do or where to go next or what to think, it's important for us to remember Jesus can come to us and will come to us in the midst of all of it. You know the name Martin Niemöller? He was a German Lutheran pastor in the 1930s when Hitler was coming to power. In 1934, as Hitler was consolidating his power, he called all the pastors in Germany to a conference. He was there to scold them because they were not supporting his policies enough, in his own mind at least. After he had spoken and told them what he wanted them to do, Pastor Niemöller stood to speak. He objected to what Hitler was saying. He said, we are pastors called by God. We care about our churches, but we also care about the German people. Hitler retorted, you don't worry about the German people. You stay in your church. I will take care of the German people. But Niemöller went on to say, well, that's not quite how we see it. God has called all of us, no human, not you nor any other, can take our calling and our commission away from us, we will have to continue to serve and speak as we feel led by God. Within days after that conference, Niemöller's church was bombed. The Gestapo came and ransacked his office. They continued to keep a very close eye on everything he did and said. In 1937, in another sermon, he challenged what Hitler was doing in Germany and said to his congregation, we cannot follow this man, we must follow God. We must speak up in the name of faith. The next day he was arrested, he was put in prison, 
He was abused and tortured for the next several months before he came to trial. Finally, the day came. By now, Niemöller was feeling so isolated and beaten down. The guards came to his jail cell and began to walk him through a series of tunnels underground. He was sort of just shuffling along, thinking it's been bad, but it's about to get worse. Not only for me, but for my congregation and for my family. Finally, they get to a narrow stairwell that's going to lead up to the courtroom. He's directed to go up. The Nazi guard is behind him, following him to the courtroom. And Niemöller hears a verse from Proverbs whispered in his ear. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous rush to it and are safe. At first, he didn't know where the voice was coming from. The face of the Nazi guard had showed no emotion. He looked stone cold. But as he was climbing those last few steps, he realized it was the Nazi guard speaking to him words of faith. He said all of a sudden, his fear vanished, his energy came back, and he was sustained through the trial. And through the days and months and years he was to spend in the Nazi concentration camps. Fear robs us of the abundant life God intends for us. Fear can paralyze us, can send waves of anxiety and panic that turn us inside out. But the truth that comes leaping from these pages of John is that Jesus can come to us in the midst of our fear and liberate us. Jesus can come to us. So often we think we have to be good or perfect or righteous for God to be close, for Jesus to come. But that's not what John is reminding us of in this text today. There's three things here, these three elements of liberation, if you will, I want to point out from this text. One is Jesus brings peace. First, Jesus says in verse 19, but then again in 21, he repeats, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Here they are huddled behind closed doors, locked down, afraid of what's going to happen next. And Jesus comes proclaiming peace. He comes as the triumphant one now the risen lord or the risen christ but i find it interesting how john tells us about what happens jesus is showing the disciples the wounds in his hands and the wounds in his side and that's when john says the disciples realized and recognized it was jesus raised from the dead in the midst of the suffering even though jesus has been raised from the dead the suffering the wounds are still there it's an important lesson for all of us to remember that we're going to have wounds we're going to be hurt in this life we're going to have times of suffering but that does not separate us from the love of god 
That does not separate us from the presence of Christ. In fact, for these disciples, and maybe for some of us, it's right in the midst of that suffering and hurt and woundedness and brokenness and anxiety that we see Jesus the clearest. If you are suffering, if you are struggling, and so many are as we come through this pandemic, the advice from the Gospel of John today is listen for Jesus to say to you, peace, peace be with you. Listen for Jesus to renew your faith, to come into your presence and say, peace be with you. But there's even more than that. Number two, Jesus does not stop there. In the very next sentence, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. That can be a scary commission to think that God expects you and me to do the same thing Jesus did, to represent and embody the love of God the way that Jesus did. Are we really supposed to do what Christ did? That's what Jesus is saying in this passage to those who would be followers. The Father has sent me, now I send you. Remember all the way back in chapter 13, at the very beginning of this whole long section of John, that when Jesus is at table with them, he disrobes, gets a basin of water, and works his way around the table, washing their feet. And after he is finished, he says, Do you know what I have done for you? I have set you an example that you should do for one another what I've done to you. It's an example of service to one another. Then just a few moments later, Jesus reminds them, this is the new commandment, that you love one another. This kind of servant-hearted love for another is the way of Christ. That is the commission. That is the call. We can all do this. Because we can all serve others. We can all find a way to be a help or of service to someone else. It might be some big and magnificent way, but it might be something as simple as an encouraging phone call or a card or opening the door for someone at a business or just sharing a smile with someone in the grocery store aisle. So many ways to serve But we can all serve. We can all care about somebody else. We can all hope that good comes to other people. Jesus commissions us. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. But if you're still a little wary of that kind of commission, Jesus goes on in this passage. It's number three in your outline Verse 22, John tells us, when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of God. Receive the presence of God. Receive the Spirit of God that animates all of life. Receive that into your life. 
through Christ, we not only get marching orders in terms of how we're to live our lives as we go along, but the promise here is that the power and guidance of God is with you every step of the way. Today, we use for our affirmation of faith number 883. It summarizes this so beautifully. This idea of receiving the Holy Spirit and God's presence working in us. It says this, we are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. What a great summary of what the Gospel of John is all about and what Jesus is saying to the disciples in this first appearance, in the midst of their fear and anxiety. You are not alone. You're living in God's world. This God is one who is creating and is creating. And this God wants to work in you and through you and in others and through others for the good of the world. Can you believe that? That God wants to work in you? That God wants you to receive the Holy Spirit and be empowered and emboldened and animated for life and faith so that you're a walking, talking embodiment of Jesus Christ. That's what the passage, I believe, is saying to all of us. You are not alone. Even when you're scared, even when you're worn down, even when you don't know what's going to happen next, you're not alone. You live in God's world. Trust that God's Spirit is with you. That's what the next phrase in the affirmation says after it tells us who God is and that God is working in the world. It says, we trust in God. It's easy sometimes to affirm that here, or harder sometimes when we're in trouble or having doubts or struggling or feel broken or wounded to believe that God is with us and that we can trust God. In God we've looked at all these different images of who Jesus is the image today this final one in the series is this now you are the image of Christ now you are representing Jesus in the world it's like the old Mission Impossible television show and in the movies they lay out a dire circumstance and then say this is your mission if you choose to accept it. The church has so often failed to be a healing agent. We, we way too often have tried to limit God's love and to say who God loves or whom God can work with or where God is working we so often have been silent in the face of moral outrage where we should have been speaking and we have failed to do so. So for any of us who sense this call, who get a glimpse of this commission of being Christ in the world, you're in great demand. The world needs you to embody this love that has come to earth in Jesus 
The world needs peacemakers. The world needs healers. The world needs people who are willing to take a step in faith to build a bridge to overcome an obstacle to help heal an old wound. I think it'll be a great day on earth and in heaven Anytime any one of us take our place in that long line of faithful disciples where we are ready to declare to anyone who's willing to listen, we are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. It goes on to talk about what the church is to be because God's presence is with us. I encourage you to read that over throughout this week to hear God's Holy Spirit whispering to you again. Are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit anew? Are you ready to be sent out by God to represent a love that serves? Are you ready to know the peace of Christ which passes all understanding and transcends all circumstances? If you're feeling that tug in your heart of taking a step in faith, if you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit encouraging you to take a step in faith, are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to say, oh yes, I know God is with me. I believe in God. I know I live in God's world. And I know I can trust God to lead me and guide me throughout my days. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We wear red as a sign of the fire of the flame. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 2, a different description of this same experience. But we're not just celebrating, even as even reset in her prayer that the Holy Spirit came one time. We're celebrating that the Holy Spirit is here with us now can come to us now this is so consistent with the rest of the theology and the gospel of john where jesus is representing god as present with them as they walk and talk as they lived and worked together it's the eternal now god is here and available to you right now eternal life starts right now nothing you have to do god's love is here for you right now I hope you not only hear these words as spoken to the disciples, but hear them as spoken to you even today. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thanks be to God.